to the lightning round. Welcome, welcome. Hello, and welcome to the Dave Kirshner Lightning Round Podcast. I am your host. It is episode 26. Uh, it's week 40 in the 46 Quadrennial Hunger Games. <laughs> A lot of stuff uh, to cover. Well, yesterday was election night. Uh, across the country for a lot of uh, Board of Education seats, a lot of uh, governorships, um, uh, some House of Representatives stuff going on. So uh, I'll cover all of that in the uh, in episode 27 over the weekend. Uh, but this episode, this midweek episode, is the preparedness episode. So I'm going to talk about uh, solar uh, in general. And uh, battery backups specifically because I have some updates uh, to what I wrote in uh, preparing to prepare. And I would like to give a shout out to the folks that have been listening that um, have been purchasing books. I I hadn't checked the uh, sales dashboard um, for uh, Amazon. And uh, it looks like a lot of copies of the uh, uh, Home Remedies, Poultices, Salves, and and Tinctures uh, have been sold. I'm getting some reviews on Amazon, so uh, I appreciate the the purchases. Uh, I just wanted to acknowledge you guys, and I hope you like the book. Uh, It was very fulfilling to write that. And... um, it's been very fulfilling to implement some of those recipes and, and take care of some things in my home in a more natural manner than, uh, you know, prescription items. So um, I appreciate the, the purchases and I hope you enjoy the book. Um, so when it comes to, so today we're going to talk about solar, but more specifically battery backups. Um, and I knew that this was going to be a risk when... Um, whenever you are going to write something, whether it's home remedies or whether it's preparing to prepare or whether it's fiction, if you include um, technology-specific information like, uh, you know, the hard drive, the CPU speeds, the the type of computer or, um, you know, different technologies uh, in terms of battery backups in this case, um, you know, you when you're going to include that, you know you're running the risk of your information becoming dated. And so as a result, when I, when I wrote stuff about solar uh, and battery backups, um, I, I ran the risk of, of something changing, and sure enough, uh, preparing to prepare was put out um, earlier this year in in January or February. And at the time, there were only two battery backup systems available, 
uh, that weren't, you know, marine batteries in a series and stuff like that. Um, you you had the Tesla Powerwall 2, and you had the Enphase um, uh, system. But sure enough, only a couple months after I published the book, Generac came out with their own uh, standalone battery backup system. Um, and now I'm, I'm being directed by listeners and readers and friends uh, to YouTube, uh, where a company has uh, been putting together different uh, kind of reviews of the different battery backup systems, whether that be the Tesla uh, Solar Enphase, or I'm sorry, the 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 Enphase, or the um, the Generac Power Cell, and uh, so they've done some of that. So I'm going to give you some updated information for that, um, and if we've got time, um, I also want to point you to YouTube so you can uh, bone up your skills on field dressing some animals maybe that you hadn't field dressed before. So if we've got time, I'll I'll try and get to that too. So as a review, what I, I, I started off in, um, in the book, I started off a solar section. Um, it was it was in part or I'm sorry, in chapter four, uh, moderate disruptions. there's a under the electricity section, uh, I go into gas powered generators, small and large, whole house generators, and then I go into solar, battery backups and panels. And, and what I wrote was um, broad in general, but it was enough information to get the reader started if they wanted something to do with solar. If they wanted to kind of get their head wrapped around um, what solar entailed, maybe uh, some general pricing uh, for certain sized systems. Um, so in a nutshell... What I base, what I here's what I wrote: Installing a solar panel system costs an average of twenty-four thousand dollars. Most homeowners pay seventeen between seventeen and thirty thousand dollars. You can expect to pay two dollars and fifty cents to three dollars and fifty cents per watt, with most systems in the three kilowatt to ten kilowatt range. These costs do not account for the batteries, which run around ten thousand dollars a piece. That's that's a ballpark. Some are going to be a little bit more. Um, deep cycle marine golf cart batteries are far cheaper options and can be set up in a series. So at the time, the Tesla Enphase, I'm sorry, the Tesla Powerwall cost about eleven five and comes with a 10-year warranty and is rated at 13 kilowatt, um, uh, uh, 13 kilowatt hours uh, for storage capacity. Okay, and uh, later on, I mentioned Enphase. They've recently come to the market with their own battery backup system and their own panels which have microinverters built into them. And that's important. That's an important piece of information because the way the two systems were designed is a limiting factor and can be a pro and a con for each one. And I'll, and I'll get into that uh, in a second because of these, uh, these updates that I need to give you. Um, so, well, I mean, we guess I guess we can get right into that. But um, there's about four pages worth of stuff 
um, starting in the solar section. Um, I even I even give you a breakdown uh, because my house was priced um, or sized at 543 kilowatt hours per month. That's the system that they could install in my house. So uh, one of the things that I did was I went to my energy provider and I downloaded my account history on how many uh, watts I was using, kilowatt hours, kilowatt hours per day, you know, all of that stuff. My average dollar amount that was due, um, and so on and so forth. And I put all that into a spreadsheet. And um, basically, if I subtracted 543 kilowatt hours per month, then I was using two-thirds less purchased energy. So I would go from uh, 30,406 kilowatt hours from August of 2020 um, back to September of 2017. I used 30,406 kilowatt hours. During that same time span, so we're talking uh, one to almost three years worth of data, instead of 30,000 kilowatt hours, I would have used 11,000 kilowatt hours if I had a 543 kilowatt hour solar system on my house. And based off of those numbers, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven months out of those 36 roughly, I would have sold back energy to the energy company and I wouldn't have had a bill at all. Um, so that's something that you can think about when it comes to solar. Now when it comes to the battery backups, okay, you've got, like I said, there were three choices and they were uh, the Tesla Powerwall 2, the Enphase Ensemble, and the Generac PowerCell. So in the, in the first video that I was uh, directed to, um, a company called Solar Surge, uh, one of their sales reps, uh, Joe Ordia, uh, kind of did the presentation. Uh, he compared the Powerwall to the Ensemble, or the Enphase Ensemble. Uh, the video aired, or was uploaded on uh, February 3rd of this year. Have <laughs> figures right as right right around the time my book got published, um, but that's okay. Um, so what he did was he compared the two systems and uh, kind of gave uh, points based off of five uh, specific criteria: uh, power, uh, storage capacity, warranty, price. And uh, a, a thing that they called the X factor. So uh, whether that be its unique architecture or design features or, or the like. So they gave points for that. Um, so uh, a lot of this information is in the book. But I'll reiterate it because I watched the videos just so it's, you know, all in one concise place. So uh, for power, uh, the Tesla... Uh, can handle uh, 5 kilowatts and with a uh, 7 kilowatt uh, surge. And so basically what he's saying is that uh, that's enough to power all of the 120 volt outlets, um, but it will become strained uh, 
if you're trying to run a well, a sump, or a, a septic pump, um, but the surge, the additional two kilowatts um, in, as part of the surge, because uh, it can fluctuate, right? So you have a motor that needs to start up. Well, you need more power to start it up. But once it's started up, then that surge drops back down. So it, it, it can handle that. Uh, but for, for Tesla, or I'm sorry, for Enphase, it's a little bit of a smaller unit. Uh, so it's a 3.8 kilowatts with a 5.7 kilowatt surge. And uh, what Mr. Ordia, O-R-D-I-A, Ordia, Ordia, uh, what he stipulated was that uh, if you're still, if you have public utilities, so somebody like myself who's in an urban environment, I have uh, a natural gas feed, I have a water feed, uh, I have sewer, so I don't need um, a septic pump, I, I don't have a well pump, I do have a sump pump because my house is really close to the water table. Um, he said, but the, the end phase would work well for those that have public utilities that aren't out in the country. Uh, storage capacity uh, was the second option, and Tesla's storage capacity was 13.5 kilowatt hours. Um, it's stackable or expandable, uh, and a single battery unit can last about 24 hours on a, on a moderate load. Uh, the end phase has uh, 10 kilowatt hours per battery. Both come with a 10-year warranty. Um, the price, Tesla's comes in as the lowest priced option of the three uh, being Tesla, Enphase, and Generac. Um, my book quoted it at about $10,000, which is what I was quoted in 2020. But with the supply chain issues and everything that comes with this inflation business, uh, the prices are going up. So I don't want to tell you to wait, but maybe you might want to. That that's up to you. Um, the end phase is about twenty percent higher than Tesla, so it's going to be about twelve to thirteen thousand dollars. And uh, as far as the X factor, um, he gave Tesla some points for its elegant design, its integrated inverter battery storage cell, battery management, and battery cooling. All of these things are inside of one unit. Um, the batteries will drain to about 60% capacity before recharging from the solar panels. Um, that's a pro and a con because if you get down to 60% um, and you know, you've got storms or you've got inclement weather, let's just call it that, and you don't have sunlight for a while or a day or two, you, you could be running and bumping up against a problem there. Um, as for the X Factor for the end phase, he awarded more points for them because their uh, battery backup system is an integrated system and works in partnership or, or in concert with the end phase microinverter panels. Uh, and it can run your home directly from the panels and then get additional power from the batteries uh, when it needs to, and which that's a that's a big thing. So, and, and that's going to come into play in the in the third video that I watched and reviewed. Um, 
one of the things that he mentioned, the, the reason why Tesla is able to keep their prices down is, one, it's designed because it's an AC-coupled system uh, integrated between the solar and the battery on the AC circuit panel, circuit panel side of the system, which is, which is a, a decent feature, um, but it doesn't let you do a few things. And like I said, we'll get to that in a minute. However, Tesla was able to keep their price down because they did a lot of their testing internationally for years um, before they rolled it out in the United States. Uh, where so far as Enphase is a new product, kind of like a, you know, version 1.0 of something. So there are kinks uh, in their product, uh, but they're getting ironed out pretty quickly. Um, and the expectation is that as the kinks get worked out and there's more product um, uh, being installed, their prices will come down and, and be comparable with uh, Tesla. So for, for this particular review, in this particular video, um, uh, Solar Surge uh, awarded Tesla as the winner, uh, simply because it had more power, it had more storage capacity, uh, and it had a better price. Okay. The second video was the Powerwall, the Tesla Powerwall 2 versus the Generac Power Cell, which is, again, which just like Enphase, Generac's uh, battery backup system is new to the market. You probably know the name Generac from their standalone whole house generators and some of their portable generators. Um, it's a quality product. It's a quality manufacturer. But this is a new product. This is a new kind of line of business for them, if you will. Uh, so he went through the same uh, five criteria, power, storage, capacity, uh, warranty price, and X-Factor. The, uh, the Generac is bigger in terms of its uh, standard installation. It comes with three batteries. Each battery holds three kilowatt. So their standard system is already bigger than Tesla's, which is only five kilowatts. And uh, the Generac can handle a, a 12 kilowatt surge. So the Generac is something that you might want to think about if you're out kind of in the country because it's a bigger system uh, and it's got it, it. You can put additional batteries into it. So every battery that you add is an additional three kilowatts. So it has room in the in the uh, I want to call it a locker, but in the box for three additional batteries. So you could, in theory, expand it to uh, 18 kilowatt hours, or 18 kilowatts, I should say. Its storage capacity would be 18 kilowatts um, because of the, the cabinet is able to be expanded by adding additional ones. Um, they both come with a 10-year warranty. Um, the... Again, Tesla is priced lower. Generac is comparable with Enphase, so it's going to be about 20% higher, or uh, uh, 12 to 13,000, roughly in there. And the X factor that they mentioned was the same thing for the the previous video, but with Generac, the X factor that they noted was that the 
the addition of extra batteries can actually be done by the homeowner. So you can just call your, your dealer, whoever installed it, and say, hey, I want to add uh, another battery or two or three. Um, and the homeowner can, can put those in. They don't need to pay for the service call. They just need to get the products. So they can go pick it up if they want to. Uh, so that was a, a pretty big X factor for him. The third video, oh, the winner on that one was a draw uh, because Tesla uh, has a better price, but Generac had more power, more storage capacity, and it was expandable by the homeowner. So all of those things brought them level uh, and negated the, the price difference. So they said that was a draw. Um, but the third video is where things got interesting and kind of what prompted this, um, this episode today, which was, uh, the episode was titled, Why Enphase Ensemble Beats Tesla Powerwall 2. So I automatically, I was like, well, wait a minute, you're contradicting yourself. So the first video was put out, the, the first video comparing uh, Tesla to uh, the Enphase Ensemble battery backup system was put out in February uh, of 2021. And this uh, latest video was put out in late April of 2021. And so basically what they did is they had had some time uh, to install different systems to deal with various aspects of that um, install, looking at a number of factors and so what they broke it down to is uh, three things and and this is why and they they felt Enphase was better than the Tesla Powerwall so number one was adaptability and I mentioned this earlier as part of uh, the the first video review which is that the Tesla Powerwall is an AC coupled system uh, meaning it, it, it's integrated but integrated between the solar and battery on the AC circuit panel side of the system. That's Tesla's shortcoming. Because of the way that they integrated the system, the power wall cannot regulate the solar output. So it's either all or nothing, as the batteries can't take any more solar energy. So if the batteries are full, okay, the battery and the system is going to tell the panels I don't need any more energy from you. Stop trying to give me energy. So it'll shut down the panels. Because of this constant back and forth, it can shorten the life of the battery. And the, the Tesla system will continue to do that until it hits 60%. And then it'll say, okay, give me your energy. But by that time, it could be nighttime. And you could be in inclement weather. So to give you an example... We didn't see the sun here in central Ohio for four days last week. Um, so I actually, I contacted a friend of mine who has a big solar uh, array on his house. And uh, he and I asked him, I said, well, you know, we haven't had the sunlight come out since last Sunday. And it was Thursday at this point. And it, it had rained off and on for, a, for the better part of a week. And he said, oh, yeah, my system, you know, it's not putting out much of anything. Um, so that's a, that's, that's a problem when you have a battery system that's constantly telling your solar panels, I don't want any more energy from you until you get all the way to 60%. So it, 
So what if you hit 60% overnight on that Sunday night, and then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you weren't getting full sunlight. You weren't, you know, you had constant cloud cover and rain and just generally crappy weather. So that's, that's a problem, okay? Um, but end phase... When you put in an end-phase system, there are micro-inverters built into their solar panels. So the, the system can talk to the panels. And what it, it, it's, they're, they're in constant communication. And they're telling them, I don't need any more energy or I need energy. And it can selectively turn off and manage the system based on need. So if you have a bright, sunny day and... Your batteries are full. The system is smart enough to know, hey, go power the house based off of the panels. And then when the sun goes down and the panels aren't collecting any solar energy, then we'll use my batteries. So it's a very, very intelligent system. Um, that was uh, one of the things that they brought up was adaptability and the ability for the Enphase system to communicate directly with the panels and manage the system that way, whereas uh, Tesla can't do that. Tesla is not designed to do that. Uh, number two uh, was the warranty. <coughs> Excuse me. So in the warranty that originally came out, when there was no other um, competitor on the market, Tesla put out a 10-year warranty, and everybody's like, ooh, look at that, 10-year warranty. However, if you dig into the warranty and go into the fine print, Tesla limited their warranty to 37.8 um, uh, megawatt hours for total energy throughput. Uh, so if you do the math and say, okay, well, uh, the total storage is 13.5 kilowatt hours, then you divide the megawatt hours by the kilowatt hours and you get 2,800 cycles. So, yes, the warranty says 10 years, but the warranty is actually 10 years or 2,800 cycles, whichever comes first. So, because the system is draining to 60% and then recharging, uh, that's a cycle. Every time it did that, you were looking at, tick, you're constantly ticking off your number of max cycles. So for people in California, this is an issue because the system isn't talking to the panels and it's just going to recharge the batteries whenever the batteries need to be recharged, whether that's daytime or nighttime. And with the high cost of energy during the day versus in the evening, uh, it's, it's cost and it's, uh, compounded by the rolling blackouts uh, and it's designed as an AC coupled system that can't regulate the panel output. So the batteries don't ever go into backup mode until power is restored. So that's a, that's a huge problem. Uh, and Enphase, when they came on the market, they put out a 10-year, 4,000 cycle warranty, which is nearly four times as long. Um, but they're, they're um, uh, what's the word, uh, lithium iron phosphate chemistry that they are using uh, allows their batteries to be safer, last longer, and be more durable. Um, 
when when Enphase came out and Tesla basically bought an Enphase system and took it apart and you know to figure out the engineering because that's what competitors do and then they got to the paperwork and they started looking at the the warranty that Enphase was putting out so what what Tesla did was they just scrapped the cycle part of their warranty they just said it's a flat 10 year warranty so you do with that as you will and and the third thing that um, uh, solar surge used as uh, kind of a sticking point between Enphase and Tesla was the uh, the customer support. So Enphase engineers uh, are can remotely monitor systems, and they will proactively ship the installer replacement units or batteries along with the materials to return the bad unit. Um, before the customer's even really aware that part of his system is going bad, one of his batteries is going bad, or her. Um, and he kind of phrased it this way. Um, Enphase stands behind its product no matter what. They're proactive. Uh, and when it comes to dealing with Tesla customer support, um, they are, quote, Less than ideal. <laughs> so, uh, you take with that take that with a grain of salt, I guess. Um, so that was kind of a new information to me, um, and uh, you know that was kind of the 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 worry when you start putting technology based information into some books because technology is constantly changing. Um, so I wanted to give you an update there. Uh, I, I, I think, you know, I'm, I'm going to let some time go by, obviously, um, but as I get more feedback from readers um, and new information comes to light, um, you know, I might do a, a version two of preparing to prepare, but that's not, I'm not, I'm not going to do that for a couple of years. Um, you know, I'm just going to stockpile the, in, the info and go from there. So that's all that for battery backups and new new information there. But while I was on uh, YouTube, um, I thought, you know, we have all these people that uh, are no longer going uh, lockstep with everything that the government says. Because for the last five years... For the last five years, they've seen what the media has done um, in terms of misinformation, disinformation, willingly broadcasting um, incorrect information, uh, all for the sake of uh, keeping their network in the 24-hour news cycle, all for the sake of bringing you more and more sensationalized news. So what that's done is... It's brought more and more people into a self-sufficiency kind of uh, preparedness mindset, which is who my preparing to prepare book is for. It's for people that, yeah, okay, something's up. You know, we're talking about inflation. We're talking about possible default. We're talking about debt limits, and 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 then you know you take that information and you 
and you stick it in the same pot with what they saw from the media, and they're thinking, yeah, um, this this could be a problem. I don't I don't necessarily trust what's being said. And what when I was on uh, YouTube, because those were the videos that were sent to me, um, and I was preparing for this podcast, I thought, well, that's, you know, how do I put this? Um, there are a lot of people that are starting to become preparedness-minded, self-sufficient-minded. They've probably maybe gone out and bought their first firearm, um, because of all of the BLM riots last year, um, and don't ever try and tell me that was peaceful protesting. That was Antifa and anarchy run amok, um, but you've got all these people now that are thinking to themselves, you know, we need to stockpile some food, uh, some water. We, you know, we need to be more aware of what's going on around us. But these may be people that have never hunted before. They've never shot another living thing. Um, like I'm an avid duck hunter, goose hunter, pheasant, uh, quail. Dove, um, I find it. I find those particular breeds to be uh, quite tasty. Uh, there's plenty of population for those, so I don't feel guilty about harvesting uh, ducks and geese and and pheasant and quail and chucker and things of that nature. Dove, what have you. Um, but it occurred to me that these people that are new to this particular mindset might not know what to do when it came to uh, hunting and, and getting their own food. Uh, if there, say, is a societal collapse or, um, you know, you, you lose power for weeks, you're out in the country and, you know, you've lost everything in the freezer and the fridge and whatever. You know, whatever scenario you can cook up. So my thought was uh, to at least point you to YouTube as a medium. Uh, you know, I'm not a big fan of some of these big tech companies, but I figure, you know, I'm not posting things up there that are, you know, like Steven Crowder and PragerU and all those. I mean, they they post up onto, onto uh, YouTube. And they're constantly having their stuff banned and shut down and pulled down because, you know, the left, anything they don't agree with, they want to silence. And uh, free speech is not a right that they adhere to. Um, but I thought I would mention to you uh, that if you're listening to this podcast and you're, you're new to preparedness and so, kind of a self-sufficiency mindset, one, I would... I would Definitely tell you to go pick up my book, Preparing to Prepare. It'll help you uh, in, immeasurably uh, as, you as you start to try and navigate these waters. Um, and I would also tell you to go to YouTube because YouTube, you can actually find videos that will teach you how to uh, field dress and prepare animals that you may have shot like duck and pheasant and squirrel. Um, most of your birds uh, can pretty much be done the same way, but there are some nuances 
but when you start getting into uh, four-legged animals, like squirrel as being the smallest one that you can really work on, as opposed to, say, a deer, um, you know, the, there's a lot more stuff inside of a deer than there is a squirrel. So what I would tell you to do is go to YouTube and just do a basic search on, on this particular um, search criteria, how to field dress X. You know, whether that's a squirrel, a duck, a deer, a pig, you know, a wild boar, a uh, pheasant, you know, whatever it is. You can find those videos on YouTube. And, and sure enough, I mean, as soon as you click on it, a big old warning is going to come up and say this this content is intended for mature audiences only because they're showing you innards. They're showing you how to uh, process and field dress these particular animals. So uh, there are resources available to you. I'm a visual learner, um, so I, I enjoy just you know keeping up on my skills. Every time I see a new video come up, I'm like, oh, well, maybe they did something different something that's more efficient. Um, so I, I enjoy watching them. I mean, I know how to do these things. Um, they're not always enjoyable, especially if you, um, if you don't place your bullet. Uh, you know, like if you gut shot a deer, that's, that's, you can taint the meat real bad if you can't get that stuff out of there in a hurry. Um, so, uh, that's my recommendation. Go to YouTube, watch these videos. Um, you can see how to field dress. I mean, everything from you know rabbits and squirrels to duck, goose, pheasant, dove, quail, deer. Um, you know, if if you can gut just a white-tailed deer, um, you can you can gut a moose. You can gut a caribou. You can gut um, just about anything else that's in that family and of that size because they're all pretty much built the same way. So if you can do one, you can pretty much do them all. But you can watch the videos and at least learn where to make your cuts, how to make your cuts, um, how to get these entrails out, and uh, how to start cooling the meat. Uh, you can learn uh, how to uh, work the hide if you, if you want to try and uh, salvage the hide from a deer or you know, even a cow. Um, you can learn everything just about on YouTube. You can watch these videos. And I highly recommend that you do it. Because the last thing you're going to want to have to do is provide for your family and then poison your family because you didn't know how to field dress something you shot. So do the legwork now. Gain the knowledge now. While the internet is up, while your house still has power, get every ounce of of information that you can and if you have found articles or things that you're like oh that's very important information I should use that what you need to do is you need to print that and what I like to do I have I have a bookcase in my in my office and the bottom shelf of my bookcase is nothing but three inch uh, wide three ring binders and when I find an article that's worthwhile I immediately print that article, I three-hole punch it, and it goes into the notebooks. So when or if I ever have to leave, I literally have a, a uh, tote that I'm putting all of those binders in. 
It's it's just as important as taking all of your ammo, food, and medical supplies and water. It's just as important. You need that information. So use every resource that you can to gather and gain and build on that knowledge base. All right, so that's the show for today. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, the next show is going to be the uh, He Who Shall Not Be Named Jackassery Minute. Uh, and we'll talk about the uh, elections from this week, uh, what the results look like, what the impacts are, and uh, our way forward from there. Uh, so everybody have a good week, and we'll talk preparedness again uh, next week. Take care. Happy Hunger Games, and may the odds be ever in your favor. Thank you.